0: no one goes to hell by accident by dr david c harabedian introduction recently while praying for the salvation of men in prison the holy spirit surprised me with the following statement no one goes to hell by accident as i pondered these poignant words the lord suddenly showed me a short film clip vision further illuminating the statement a man was walking hastily to an appointment He had papers in one arm and a cup of coffee in the other, rushing down the road of life, not paying attention to what was in front of him. Without warning, the man tripped over Jesus, who was in the center of the road on his knees, praying and interceding on this man's behalf. The papers flew everywhere, the coffee spilled, and the man crashed to the ground, disheveled. As he looked back from the ground, he saw the cause of his problem but didn't recognize Jesus, who caused him to stumble. Instead, he became angry with the man. He looked upon Jesus with disdain, got up, dusted himself off, picked up his belongings, kicked dust in the face of Jesus, spat on him, and rushed off about his daily activities. The Holy Spirit then repeated the statement, no one goes to hell by accident. I began to realize that throughout our lives, Whether in prison or free, God places Jesus in our paths to keep us from going to hell. I began to reflect on the various times before going to prison that God tripped me up on my way to destruction. My car failing en route to an appointment, an appointment which I later discovered to be a setup, and my car's strange malfunction saved me from getting busted. A troubling dream that later turned out to be an accurate warning. To avoid certain conduct. A Christian handing out tracts in the bar district one night when I was out drinking it up. Each time I spurned Jesus in my path. I did not recognize that it was him who was delaying me on my way to eventual destruction. I remember speaking with disdain to those two young Christians handing out Bible tracts, telling them that what they really needed was a drink instead of Jesus. I scoffed at their remarks about how much Jesus loved me, and that He wanted to save me from my path to hell and destruction. HELL, I thought, if there really is such a place, then all my friends will be there. I turned on my heels and kicked up dust as I headed into the door of one of the bars to get another drink with the crowd. I did not know, at the time, that my lifestyle truly was the path to my destruction. Several situations and events occurred over the next few years. I constantly tripped over Jesus, who continued to get in my path. A phone call from a Christian on my answering machine. I just want you to know that for the last two weeks, the Lord has laid you upon my heart heavily, and I'm praying for you. That's strange, I thought. I haven't heard from that person in more than two years, not since college, when she invited me to a party. Turned out to be non-alcoholic and full of people that seemed to be having all kinds of fun sober. Oh, yeah, they were Christians. Ah, that's for them. I've got my own life and starting to do pretty good at it, too. Again, I did not recognize Jesus in my path. My mother invited me to church for Easter Sunday several months in advance. I thought, oh, she'll forget about it by the time Easter rolls around. So I agreed to show up. The night before Easter Sunday, I heard my mother's voice on my answering machine, reminding me of the date. She had raised me to be a man of my word. Therefore I drove from the big city to a small hick town about ninety minutes away, and showed up late for the service, successfully avoiding the music portion. I snuck in the back row of the small church of about thirty-five people where the sermon had already begun. I barely sat down when the preacher stopped his Easter message and called me out by name. Then he began prophesying over me to return to the call of God on my life. He told me things he couldn't naturally know about my present lifestyle. None of it was condemning, but all of it was very convicting. It made me shake on the inside. Then he reminded me of the love of Jesus and told me to get off the path I was on, or it would lead to destruction. He returned to his sermon. I didn't hear anything else he preached that day. His words continued to resound in my spirit as I sat in the pew and pondered them. Finally, the closing hymn was being sung. I knew this was my cue to cut out of church early, as I had in my early teen years when my parents required my church attendance. While walking across the street to my car, I noticed a little old lady in a long dress and tennis shoes coming towards me, running as fast as she could. Oh, no, I thought. I got to get out of here. I picked up my pace, hoping to beat her to my car and get out of there. She somehow beat me to my car before I could get my hand on the door. Somewhat out of breath, she smiled and said, My, what a nice prophecy the pastor spoke over your life today. I've been attending church here for the better part of my 79 years, and I've never been privileged to experience such a thing like that. I looked at her and thought, Well, lady, if you were in as much sin as I am, he'd probably speak to you from the pulpit too. Instead, I just smiled. She invited me to the Easter luncheon being held immediately after the service. I politely declined. Then she invited me back to church the following Sunday. I told her that it was quite a long drive to come all the way out to this country congregation, but that I would probably begin attending church near my home. I was lying. All the time, I was trying to get in my car. Finally, I was in. She was speaking to me through the window now. I tried to start my car. All the ignition would do was click. The engine wouldn't even turn over. She said, Oh dear, car troubles? I replied, no, it does this sometimes. I was lying again, of course. My car had never once done this. I told her that everything would be okay. She smiled and told me that she'd be praying for me, then turned and walked off in that long dress and tennis shoes. As I sat in my car, I said one of the few prayers uttered during my wayward years of sin. God, I know I'm in sin. I know I need to get right with you. I promise that if you'll help me get my car started, I'll begin going to church. I turned the ignition, and phoom! Instantly the car turned over. I sat there stunned. I knew it was God's hand at work. I put the vehicle in drive and pulled away from the parking lot. The further I got from the church, those church people, and that church experience, the more the conviction began to fade. My acknowledgment of God's hand began to lift. My promise to God also began to wane. My pager went off. I looked at the number. It was a drug transaction. I looked at the pager several times over the next few minutes. Should I return this call or not? A drug deal on Sunday? I'd made them before. Why would it matter today? Besides, sin is sin, regardless of the day of the week one commits it. God doesn't group things into Friday night sins versus Tuesday morning sins. Therefore, I can't be penalized any more for sinning on Sunday after church than on Monday morning. There, it made sense. I'll call back and take care of this business right away and make some fast money. No reason to put this off until a less holy day comes around. So I did. I never returned to church. I stumbled across Jesus that day, but went ahead about the business of my life, missing my day of visitation. No one goes to hell by accident. Before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road that seems right but ends in death Proverbs 14:12 The Living Bible The faithless will be fully repaid for their ways Proverbs 14:14 14, 14, New International Version It would be 3 more years before I was finally arrested and sentenced to more than 20 years in federal prison without parole because God does not punish sinners instantly people feel it is safe to do wrong ecclesiastes 8:11 the living bible in retrospect i honestly believe that my mother's prayers protected me from arrest any earlier she was a prayer warrior all those years finally one day she told the lord father i give my son to you do with him what you see best but don't allow him to lose his life bring him to salvation 24 hours later I was arrested. Go figure. Ah, the power of a praying Christian. I kind of wish he would have prayed that prayer a few years earlier. It could have saved me from a longer sentence. We must reap what we sow in life, Galatians 6 7. And by now, I had planted several fields full of sin. My harvest came in with interest. That was 1989. God did get my attention. In addition, He answered my mother's prayer. I did come to salvation, and I didn't lose my life, just a lot of years of my freedom. I served 19 years, six months, a week, and a day in prison. A man in the county jail tried to encourage me with these sage words If you have to go to jail to avoid going to hell, it's worth it. When I got to prison, another man told me something that stuck with me. If you leave prison the same way you came in, you've failed prison and you have to repeat the class i looked around the prison and noticed most were second third fourth and fifth time losers some of them doing life without the possibility of parole they would die in prison no more chances and they still hadn't repented their lives were effectively over without a miracle from god many would never see freedom again still They sat at the card tables, gambling for stamps and commissary items, smoking cheap cigars and drinking poison liquor, hooch, when they could find it, or doing drugs when they could get up enough money to buy them. They were in and out of the prison's whole, solitary confinement when caught and spent several months to a year each time for their conduct. During these timeouts, they tripped over Jesus in their path, The man praying for them in the middle of the road, trying to deter them from their roadway to destruction. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Proverbs 14.12 Revised Standard Version Jesus just keeps praying for us, even though we kick dust in His face, spit on Him, curse Him, and reject the counsel and advice of Christians He sends to speak into our lives. We allow the Bible He provides us to sit unread, on a shelf, display table, or hidden in a drawer. Television and sports activities are more important to us than God, His Word, prayer, church fellowship. No one goes to hell by accident. Social media sites our jobs. Family and friends often take priority over God in our life. We can quote scores from around the sports league but can't quote three verses from the Bible. We can tell you the latest accomplishments and scandals with our NBA, NFL, or music and movie stars and starlets, but are unable to properly converse about God's heroes from the Bible. Who was Hezekiah, anyway? Asa, Deborah the prophetess. Did they ever have a hit CD, ever score a touchdown, win a Super Bowl? No, but they did stand in the paths of many who were on their way to destruction, and turned them back to the path of life everlasting. They are heroes in God's eyes, and in the eyes of those men and women who they deterred from the pathway to hell.